2: And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg.
0: And welcome back in third and final hour on a Monday. That means in just a moment, we're going to turn on the light with Jack Spillane. But Jack, if you will indulge me for a moment, I just want to catch up on a couple of app chat messages here. Um, I love the apps. Well, I, I think, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to start censoring app Chat. I don't want them to feel like I wasn't reading these. Uh, first of all, DSY in New Bedford says, Tim, Republicans are not normal. I think if you had a show where it was a person with a more conservative viewpoint behind here, the listeners might call in and say, you know, Democrats are normal. So we're, we'll, just, we'll just take that as being, you know, one-sided opinion. Uh, Dan in New Bedford followed up. No one said you can't have an opinion, but when people call in with their opinion that differs from yours, you jump all over them. You have your opinion and your callers have their own. That's talk radio. I do agree with you that some of these people that call in like myself have a stigma because they've had to deal with different situations in their life and that's all they've seen and know. I, I Listen, I have no problem with people calling in that have a different viewpoint than me. I have a problem with people calling in with hypocrisy. I have pe- problems with people calling in uh, coming out of emotion and not coming out of logic. That's my problem. If you want to call in and disagree with me, as many callers have, and as you just heard from the caller saying that, you certainly can. But if you don't want to come into it from a logical standpoint, then, yeah, we're going to have an issue.
2: And I, I, I know when I listen, sometimes people present you with misinformation, and, and you're going to push back on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Carol Ann in the Sonen says – Thank you, Tim. It is exhausting when people refuse to acknowledge that I don't follow their book, she put in quotes, or their beliefs. I completely respect people who celebrate Good Friday, Easter, or any holiday. People should believe, worship, and celebrate as they see fit. But I would love to receive that same respect for the fact that, for me, Friday was just Friday, and yesterday was just Sunday. Live and let live. So there you go. That catches us up. And then a reminder that Pat wants to see me do yoga in the park, but... (laughs) Pat does not really want to see me do yoga in the park. All right. Well, it is Monday. It is the 11 o'clock hour, so you know what time it is. It's time to cue up the Rolling Stones. And we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane, columnist for New Bedford Light. And good morning, Jack. How are you? How How was was your week? How was your weekend? That was good. It was good. It was just Sunday for me, too.
2: So... Happy I'm, Easter. I, I love Easter. I, you know, a lot of people think of it, oh, it's my least favorite holiday, but something about the spring, everything coming back to life, I I just love it.
0: I mean, it's it's certainly the time of year that, you know, you start to realize that you've turned the corner from, you know, like, it's always like when we get to Easter that I can kind of feel like I can put the shovel away, Yeah. but I don't want to curse. It April either.
2: 15th is my you shovel know, day.
0: Knock on, knock on for Micah.
2: I, I like Easter when it's in April better than in
0: March. True. Yeah. In, in New England. Absolutely. Well, let's start, let's start off talking about your column last week, uh, in which you took a look at some of the folks who have already come forward for the election this year and some people who might come forward. And so far we've had, uh, I know that Joe Lopes announced that he's running in ward five. Uh, Leo Shaquette said he is going to be running in ward one. Uh, and then I don't think anybody else has formally declared yet. Those are the only two that are formally out there. Yeah. Uh,
2: uh, amazingly, Scott Lima took out papers for mm-hmm. at-large, um, which, which I thought was the big surprise.
0: See, I'm not surprised by that because if I rem- I don't remember the exact wording of his statement when he said that he was not going to run for re-election in Ward 5. But when I read it, the first thing I saw – I realized is he might run for at-large or maybe even for mayor. Well,
2: the surprising part about it is why? Why would you rather ha- give up a, uh, a Ward 5 re-election that pr- pretty much you'd be assured of winning? for an at-large seat that you may win, but you, you may well not win. A mayor's seat, even probably less chance, especially if the mayor runs for re-election. So I, I don't know. I, 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 is he trying to have a city-wide profile to eventually run for mayor? Um, does he uh, – one person mentioned to me maybe he um, – there's a, a larger amount of constituent services with a ward counselor because the ward counselor gets called first. And then if they don't get satisfaction, some, some of them move on to the at-large counselors. Uh, but some, I mean, there are at-large counselors, specifically Ian Abu that are very famous for constituent services. I have all kinds of problems, as we know, with the way constituent services are done in the city. But it is part of the job and it should be done. It just should be done correctly in my opinion. But so I, I was surprised at, at Scott. I don't know whether he'll ever, ever actually go through with that. He's not saying much. He wouldn't take my call. Uh, his, his phone, um, as a city council, I can just say that I've tried to call him on his phone. The phone that's listed uh, for his city council number, and he it's always full. So I don't know. That's just I'm calling at bad times, but he's hard to get through to. So um, I don't know what's going on with um, Scott, but I, I think that if you are going to, take out papers you do owe it to the community to at least say a little bit of what you're thinking about and he hasn't done that so i i find that objectionable um i, th- I think the other race is the mayor's race um john mitchell has been mayor of the bed for 12 years now and he must be doing something right i know he comes in for a lot of criticism um but he's been reelected five times uh this will be a sixth term um uh you know, the longer you're in office, the more opponents you have, the, the more baggage you have. So I think um, a strong opponent might be able to make a run at him. But who would that strong opponent be? I Personally, and this may be just my own views of, of, of the present city council, I don't see any of the present city councilors as, as being able to beat him. The people I think that could possibly beat him are, are Tony Cabral, Scott Lang, um, maybe a business person or a woman from the city that, that, that comes out. i like to see a woman run for mayor. Um uh, I heard some rumblings that there might be a, a woman candidate in Ward Five. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Like you know, but but um, I, it, the filing period began a month earlier than usual, and I asked Manny about that. Manny DeBrito, the election commission chair, and um, he said nothing special. We just want to give people more time, which is is good. But then they started a month early, and they had fewer people coming out early than usual so i I don't know whether it took people off guard or
0: yeah it might just it it might be that you know some folks are still planning and deciding and maybe it could just be that they just said well there's no reason to start early yeah like why start early now and why don't wait a little while and get some headlines on my own instead of when everybody else is taking out papers
2: i think the biggest issue we have with elections in new bedford is the low turnout the 1% turnout we saw in the special election, sometimes you see 4 or 5%, 6% turnout in the regular elections in the, the low-income wards of New Bedford. The wards that are densely developed, uh, the triple-decker wards um, in wards 2, 6, um, parts of Ward 4 and 3. And I think that a lot of those wards' um, language is a challenge. And um, uh, I think that the city could do more in reaching out to the Latino community. I don't. You know, um, I think that we are the Latino leaders. Um they say that about half of the population the Latino population of New Bedford, which is now between twenty and thirty percent, significant portion of the city, is Puerto Rican. And they have not uh, I think Edgar Edgar Jadahina, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his Katagina, uh pronouncing his name correctly, um, who ran a few years ago when they had the Puerto Rican hurricane, I think he ran in Ward Two. Um uh uh, before that, I, I don't think we've had many candidates. Uh, Melissa Costa on the school committee is um, of Latino background. Um, uh, I think her married name is not is not Latino, but but she is. Um, I forget what her uh, her previous name was. Uh, so, but they, they just aren't running, and I don't see the organization in that community. And I think that I think that some of the leaders in the city, you know, should be a little more proactive.
0: I mean I don't I don't know anybody else uh all the people that I knew were gonna come out or have already announced. But well yeah, I think so. so. Well I, I expect virtually all the incumbent.
2: Um, councils and school Ooh. committee members to sure to uh, come out.
0: But uh, when Council President Morad was here with us last week, she talked about that she she foresaw that there will be a preliminary election uh, involved in this. So I don't know if she knows more than than I know or oh, well, more, than know.
2: more than we know. But
0: it, it it sounds like there's probably a good amount of people that are that are still you know in the process of considering doing yeah, this. I, th- and, I
2: think the big thing to watch out for will be whether Councilor Morad or Councilor Gomes um, runs for mayor. Um, in a couple of times in the past, they've taken out papers for two offices. I think Councilor Morad took out papers for Ward 1 in at-large one year. Uh, very little explanation as to why she did that. Councilor Gomes, I believe it was last time, took out papers for uh, Mayor and at-large and then did not get his Mayor's papers returned in time. So he was on the preliminary ballot. The Mayor beat him about two to one. Um, so, uh,
0: you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, if I... If I thought, if I remember right, I thought that he decided that he didn't want to run for mayor, but he was on the ballot because he didn't get the word out in time for them to take him off the ballot. So he was on the ballot. Yeah, no, he wasn't. I, gonna...
2: I, have, I have some skepticism about, about, about that. He said that he had the. Um uh, the papers to re- to only return the at large and not return them the mayor's one he got distracted and he didn't bring them back in time that day that's not the first time that's happened in the city so it's possible but i also th- think that it's possible that there are certain forces in the city and among them i would say the old machine politicians who would like to see a stocking horse in that preliminary just how vulnerable is the mayor is, is he soft a little bit you know keep gomes on there see if he's vulnerable a little bit in the preliminary and then if he if he is is not vulnerable then then withdraw which brian did withdraw you know, it, it may well be that he just forgot he says he forgot you know and,
0: and i think it's hard to determine you know how how much someone could challenge the mayor when his last two challengers haven't been much of a challenge
2: well, if you listen to the city council, the mayor is very unpopular, <laughs> and yet he's been elected five times. And so it's hard for me to – I mean, I know he's unpopular with the majority of the council. That's certainly for sure. I think that that's reflective on the council as much as it is reflective on him. I think people that I talk to – maybe I'm not talking to the right people – are very frustrated at the dysfunction dysfunction between the city council and the mayor and not working together to get things done for the city not compromising a little bit of this a little bit of that a little bit of your way a little bit of my way both of them trying to prevail and the most recent example of that we have is the referendum you know with with three referendums mayor didn't even know about them now i can understand there may jack, be four i i can understand that jack Belaine and tim weisberg didn't know about them but the mayor not knowing about them? right, uh, I, I just think it's hard to say. I'm talking to the mayor, but you just had, didn't happen to mention, you know, the referendums that you're about to propose. The same for Councillor Gomes. The same for uh, um, Councillor Burgo was most disappointing, I think, was Council Burgo,
0: and and going going back to what I, what I said about not having strong challengers. So Charlie Perry ran against him a few years ago. That was a significant challenge. Charlie's a great guy. Just he, I don't think he was dynamic enough to to, to yeah, unseat an incumbent. There some mayor.
2: challenges. Some things came out about his um, uh, performance in the police department or his record there. Um, I had some. Serious concerns about how those things were leaked, but but you know I'm in the media. You know, once we determine they're legitimate, we're going to go with them. But Charlie was a, a strong candidate, I thought. Um, Tyson not, Moultrie, not, not, strong, not so much. Tyson Moultrie was a manufactured candidate. He he was not an authentic. He, he did not give an authentic presentation of his past, of of his, of his present, of of of, of March. Uh, very talented guy. Um, uh, I don't know what he's up to now, but I thought that was kind of sad. Uh, I, I have seen people that I felt ran for mayor to get their name out. Maria Giesta ran right after she came back from Washington. Thirty years of service as Bonnie Frank's chief of staff, laudable job down there, and immediately she runs for mayor. I thought that that was more about you know getting her name out, getting back in the in the political circles. Um, she didn't win, but she ran a credible race. Uh, I think that th- th- those were the credible races were were um, Maria and. Um, uh, and then, of course, Tony Cabral when when he ran against him.
0: But you, as you said, you might just have some folks who decide, you know, now is the time to throw my hat in the ring just because of the longevity of Mayor Mitchell. That, you know, after a while, people say maybe it is time to give a new person a chance. A but, chance. But the cliche is that you, that
2: the longer you're mayor, the more people you've had to say no to and your enemies list begins to um, accumulate. That's what they say happened to Fred Kalis. He had been mayor for eight years. Um, and he lost to uh, Scott Lang. Scott Lang is going to be, if he, if he would choose to, to, to run, and I'm not sure he would, but if he would choose to run, will always be uh, a competitive candidate against any um, incumbent, against you know, any mayor, any, against any city councilor. Um, uh, he is a, a competent guy, a, a dynamic guy, a guy of strong beliefs. Um, I don't always agree with him, but, but I, I, I never question his integrity or his, or his um, you know, authenticity.
0: So I want to ask about the Ward 1 race because, uh, you know, Leo Schickett announced he's going to try again, and it was a close race last time, and, you know, he he even said that, you know, it's nothing really against, uh, if I'm paraphrasing a little bit from his appearance with Marcus, but it's not about the job that Brad Markey's doing as much as it is about wanting to have somebody who he thinks can work with both the council and the mayor, and I think that that's going to be a theme that you're going to hear from a lot of people that are going to run for the city council is they're going to say, like, I can be somebody that can work with the mayor.
2: Well, we we saw that in the Ward 3 race just now, and I'm Mm -hmm. not sure that I've seen any signs of it. You know, I I think I'm I'm hopeful for Sean Oliver. I I did think he took a courageous um, vote on the rent control by being the only counselor not to vote again, not not to vote to put it on the ballot. Um, he, He voted his beliefs. Um, on the other two ballot questions, I'm not sure whether he didn't understand them. It's pretty hard to defend the CPA when um, if he has a, a park, um, Dyers Field, that, that could greatly benefit from CPA money in his ward. Uh, I know that there's people in his ward that want a, a park um, uh, up in the area, um, uh, upper Rockdale Avenue in that, in that, in that area. And um, so uh, there are many things that, that could benefit in that kind of a ward uh, with, with um, Significant issues. Uh, so I, I you know, uh, I, I was surprised that he did that. Maybe he wasn't up to speed on it yet. Um, uh, the four-year mayoral term, I, I, again, I think it's just political posturing. I haven't heard from any of the freshman counselors that I suggested propose the term limits, um, uh, proposed. I, I don't think it's going so to come to that. So I don't that. think it's going to come to that, which is interesting because people when they're running for office often talk about, well, I'm not going to be one of these long-term counselors. Um, the last person to really honor that, and I'll give her credit for it, was Dana Ribeiro. Dana Ribeiro said she was going to serve three terms. She served three terms, and she served effectively, I think, in, 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 that, in that Ward 4 seat. We haven't heard any of the um, uh, uh, president counselors. I, I, I guess I'll give Scott Lehman credit for leaving in Ward 5, although I, I just wish he would talk to the community so people would understand a little better. He doesn't have to talk to me if he doesn't want to. Um, I've criticized him a bit, although mostly I've agreed with him. But, but um. I, I wish you would talk to somebody about what he's thinking about with the at-lodge race.
0: Sure. I mean, he calls into this show, so you can feel free, Scott, if you want to call in here at all at any point and discuss it. But um, the last time we talked, it was about Jewish delis. So That's a good topic, too. <laughs> right. I want to put that on the ballot. I want to start <laughs> getting signatures. I know I'll get enough. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, so this, this citizen effort that it sounds like is bubbling under the surface here to get that question on the ballot to get a question about term limits for the city council and the mayor like they're not they're not just limiting it to I would, the city council both I would support both and and I I think that they you know as I said uh, I mean I said it not I wasn't being facetious when I said you know a couple of afternoons outside of supermarkets and you might get enough signatures for that because I do think that that is an issue that if you ask people about it they're going to sign and I wasn't I wasn't trying to say it's going to be that easy I'm just I honestly think you would get less resistance to people um, wanting to put their name to that idea. I will
2: point out that the people that put the four-year mayoral term on the ballot, they did collect signatures. And they went out there and did the work. Now we're putting it back on the ballot without collecting signatures – you know, I say the same thing for the city council. You really, you really say you're getting all these phone calls and you know all these people go out and collect some signatures. You know, do what you what you you, you certainly would 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 um, put anything that that they collected the signatures for. I mean, th- that's what I think people are forgetting. They collected the signatures. It and wasn't just people who hate the mayor, you know, v- voting to put. That, and that's one of the things that you. bothers me
0: about the way they're trying to 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 push this narrative about these questions is it's almost like they're dismissing the fact that the citizens did do this because they're saying oh they were encouraged by the mayor to do well who cares who encouraged well, who them cares? they it, still did the work and they won and
2: right. they won and and, and and they did it these same councilors opposed it then they opposed, they opposed it when the signatures were collected they opposed it when it was put on the ballot they opposed it when it when it won and they have opposed it always you know um, i just You know, it, it looks very much... It's the same people who are often criticizing the mayor. So... Well, uh, it, is we, it is what it is. I
0: think. Why don't we take our, our first break of the hour 508-996-0500. If you have a question for Jack, or you can call in, uh, or you can uh, rather uh, text in using App Chat on the WBSM app, or send us in a voicemail using the open line feature on the WBSM app. Just make sure it's suitable for air. We're going to take a break and be back with more with Jack Spillane in just a few moments. Welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Jack, before I get uh, before I forget, uh, you know we've been talking about housing quite a bit uh and of course uh josh amaral is now out touting the city's uh, comprehensive housing plan you're going to have a chat with him coming up
2: yes uh, thursday night at 7 p.m uh, josh is going to be our guest on the chat for the full hour just josh um uh i know he's been out doing the, the the different shows and different um newspapers but i felt it was an opportunity to give him a full hour where he can go in depth uh no no commercials because we don't do that and um uh so, uh, Josh is an engaging person. Um, uh, I read through the whole plan, uh, in preparation and it has a lot of features to it, uh, most of which are aimed at developing housing as opposed to controlling prices. Um, Josh is part of the mayoral administration and he, he has come out against the rent control, um, or the rent stabilization, the other way to put it. I, I want to hear more about, 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 um, shane's plan i think that one of the problems is that it hasn't gotten the discussion it would have gotten if it hadn't been mixed up with the cpa in the four-year mayoral term Mm -hmm. but we'll see
0: and i'll say this about josh being against it like when he is against it you said he's part of the mayoral administration but i don't think he's in it to be in lockstep with the with the mayor and with the administration i honestly believe in, in hearing him make his points that as somebody who has well researched the issue of housing he just doesn't believe that it would work. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean
2: to imply that he's taking a position other than No, no, himself believes in right I would but, but you were that
0: but I don't want people to feel yeah, that but that's I
2: think the case. I think also I mean he is part of the administration and and, the, and I, that, that's the thing I think sometimes the city council doesn't fully understand is that the department has a part of the administration of the mayor they do they work for the mayor they do what the mayor wants the mayor is the head of the police department in New Bedford he is the chairman of the school committee by virtue of his his, his, his job it's it's a, it's a powerful position and people are Having his priorities, not the council's priorities. The council, they have a role. They have a policy-making role. They also have a role in approving appointments and in approving um, uh, spending. Thank, thank. I think a lot of people are grateful that they cannot add spending because if they could, I think we've had a little demonstration of what they might do this year.
0: Why don't we? Uh, why don't we take this phone call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If you have a question for Jacks Boleyn, good morning. You are on WBSM.
1: Good morning, gentlemen.
0: Good's good morning. Going.
1: Good morning. Jack, I have a question for you, okay? And the question is, okay, I was watching um, Talking Politics this Friday, okay? And I heard that uh, they were going to speak to someone from uh but for the Light. And I figured it might be you, but it wasn't, okay? It was, a, I think, a young man by the name of Hogan, am I right?
2: Will Senate, maybe? No, oh, Carl Hogan. Hogan, the education yes, reporter. Yes, yes, yes. So
1: my question to you is, since you're always asking uh, the, um, you know, the... Political people with, about their stuff. Uh, how did that come about? I think it's good. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's good that New Bedford has a, uh, a reach that the politics down here is reaching. Adam Riley's show in Boston, because after all, that's where the legislature is. And um, can you shed any light on how that yeah, came about? So,
2: so I, I don't know that. I'm I'm not an editor at the Light. I I was an editor at the Standard Times for many years, um, but I'm not an editor at the Light. So. Um, Believe it or not, they make the decisions, and I'm not involved.
1: Well, did they contact you guys? Do you know, or did they uh, you guys contact them? So, so did
2: you- I, I did not see um, that 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 show. Oh. Um, uh, Colin covers um, politics, I um, mean, you know, politics. Colin covers education, education for, for us. Yes, and I think one of his most recent stories was the um, effort in local suburbs, Dartmouth, and Tritown and Freetown, of. Um, ntlgbtq um candidates running and taking um similar positions that the um, republican uh have been pushing at the national level i don't know whether that's why they had him up there for well, that they,
1: they talked about that and somewhat they talked about uh, the, the book banning stuff down in old rochester sure okay uh, they they hit quickly on uh, uh the uh, maintaining the uh, indian in dartmouth that sort of thing sure but i think it's you know i I have nothing against the Providence Market because, yeah, geographically we're more in the Providence market. But law comes out of Boston. and uh, if New Bedford can get more of their political news uh, you know deal dealt with by uh, uh, talking politics and Adam Riley, I think it's all to the good of this area to show Boston that, hey, we're here too. And maybe someday in a close vote, since we don't matter that much, though, uh, but in a close vote, uh, the voters down here could make a difference if uh, the forces up there are in a, a lager jam. You know, that it it has.
2: Stuff. It has. I think that the, the election of um, Bill Weld over, uh, who was it he was running against? John Silver? Was it John Silver? Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. Silver, yeah. Silver, I think um, uh, this, this area played... A big role, and Scott has lost yeah.
1: also. Um, well, again, uh, I, for, for for the Boston market to recognize, and they also recognize South Coast Tonight. They took a radio excerpt from South Coast Tonight. They played it one of the candidates from the running for school committee in Dartmouth, and asked the people there to uh, reflect upon
2: it. I think uh, the caller is right that 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 that. The um, Boston market tends to forget us on yep. the South Coast, yep. and um, when I was at the Standard Times, I was invited up to, to do shows once in a while, but it was a rare occasion that I was invited up. And they don't, um, you know, we, when when Biff McLean was the um, State Senate president, whatever you wanted to say, he was a powerful figure yep. Yep. in Boston. But we haven't really had that kind of a powerful figure. I think the closest right now is Mike Roderick, who is the chairman of. Of ways and means, and and um, so the, the South Coast is not that much of a player. The population hasn't grown as much as it has in Greater Boston. Um, uh, uh, but I think we do need to be as visible as we sure. can. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, you can't really barge your way into the shows. No, no, but united. but I, I right. think
1: I think that's what you and the Bedford Light and uh, South Coast Tonight has been trying to do: broaden uh, the political spectrum down here. I know it's very hard. I know it's frustrating because the blue-collar area, and most people are busy, you know, putting food on the table and paying off their exorbitant rents and all that sort of stuff. So it's hard for someone down here to really take uh, a lot of time to, uh, you know, to do what you do and what I do, too, listening to, you know, the political uh, debate that goes on. But it would only be for the betterment of the area if we could get maybe Riley to do uh one or two shows a month about what's going on on the south coast uh well, I, I think it would be very good for to, to show that hey we are down here we do vote and we are con- concerned about the direction the state goes
0: well i would say just reach out to their program and let them know that you enjoy seeing no that's about for south you guys coast. to do i no that no to you no guys. that's it's <laughs> not for us to do it's, i
1: don't have that capability no it's, I, well, it's listen 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 i i'm not uh you know into the uh emails and uh uh, chap yap, yap chats or whatever you want just to give
0: call them. A, just give them a phone call. Just yeah. give them a phone call until yeah, yeah, no, they're... But, uh,
1: you know, I, I, again, <laughs> uh, I, 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 would, I just wonder know. how that all transpired for them to take an interest down here.
0: All right, thank you. All right, guys, call. thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, it, no, you you don't you don't write a story and then start contacting all the other media outlets and saying, "Do you want to have me on and talk about the story?" Well,
2: I actually have no reporters like that. I, I, sure, I, I, some I, some do, I, and um, I am have always been, and I'm not sure why this <laughs> says about me, but I'm I'm one of the worst self promoters. I I don't like doing it. I don't feel com- confident doing it, but um, there are people who do it, and and uh, so I think the caller. You know, has a point. I mean, those shows are geared at Boston. That's where the population is in Massachusetts. And I think um, they do tend to stereotype this area. I think this area is increasingly less blue-collar than it used to be. I think it's gentrifying a little bit. And, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think there are ways... That, that can be done, but those are Boston stations. New Bedford used to have its own television station when I first got here. Right. That shortly went the way of, of all things, and a lot of people do watch Providence, but as the Carl pointed out, the government comes out of Boston, and we need to, we need to be more, more visible.
0: So in general, the way that it works is, you know, you've been covering a topic, they decide they're going to cover the topic because it's caught their attention, then they reach out to you, and they want to have a representation of that. For the most part, you know, if, if people, I've only, I've, I've had, you know, like Ben Burke, for example, from the, the Publix Radio mm-hmm. in Rhode Island, if he writes something that's related to the South Coast, he's good enough. He'll send the story oh, because okay. he'll nope. say, perm- you know, <laughs> just so you see it only because, well, yeah. you know, he knows that I might not, that, that yeah. they might not be on my radar, things that I yeah. read every day. So he sends it there. And then if he can come on, we'll have him come on and talk yeah. about it. But it's not, it's not about self-promotion as much as it is yeah. like, you know, here's yeah, a story there, that there, I wrote.
2: There, there may well be people at the... Um, uh, New Bedford Light who were doing that, and, and that's how Colin got on or, or, or,
0: or whatever. Uh, I don't, I would guess it, that it was more their yeah, producers were yeah, putting together wanting yeah, to cover the story. Yeah,
2: maybe. I, th- I think I think our editor is very good at advocating for the quality of the New Bedford Light and and having people uh, take a look at it. We've been written up in the Boston
0: Globe, the... the, the um,
2: Recently uh, an article. Magazine, ...the New yeah, York
0: Times. There was a uh, recent article about... Um, the, the change in how the older journalists are coming back to mentor the the younger generation through things like New Bedford Light. Um, I'm sorry, the caller dropped off. So you can call back, 508-996-0500. Uh, I promise we won't, uh, we won't keep rambling on and not take your call. Uh, why don't I take our next break, though? When we come back, we can take more of your calls. We'll also discuss, speaking of the the great young reporting at New Bedford Light, I want to talk about the story about the Royal Crown Nursing, uh, nursing home, Rooming House uh, because that was a, a very interesting and enlightening story considering the the narrative that was out there Wonderful about that location by, by, by will
2: senate
0: so we'll get into that and more when we come back in just a few moments and back to the talk with Jack Spillane as we are turning on the light and new bedford light had a very in-depth piece uh by will senate and he's going to be on south coast tonight this evening with marcus and chris to talk more about it but this reporting on the royal crown rooming house The mayor came on and he was talking with us about how, you know, the the smoke alarms worked. They were in the process of installing sprinklers that, you know, it seemed like this was just a a horrible accident. But as as Will's reporting has shown, there were a lot of issues that were going on in that rooming house.
2: There were a lot of issues. And um, with all due respect uh, to to, to the mayor, they had five years to put the sprinkler system in. They didn't meet it. And and it was news to me that the majority of of, of people who were grandfathers have not met that five-year sprinkler requirement. It does not seem to be a lot of enforcement that the city has the ability to do to enforce that law. So the question is, does the word get out among the landlords that, yeah, they, they give you five years, but if you don't get it in five years, no one's going to really force it force it to you. The other thing that was very worrisome about that story was that there seemed to be um, a change of ownership that involved the same people. So it goes from one trust to another trust. And is that a way of uh, avoiding The requirements does the clock start ticking all over again? I don't know that to be a fact, but if it does not start clicking all over again, what is that change of ownership all about? Um, There was also some reporting uh, about the fire escape, and you know, some folks were saying it was not a fire escape at all; it was just a porch, but it looked like a fire escape. If it was not a fire escape, why was it not a fire escape? Um, So, uh, you know, there just were a number of issues, and if, if we're going to have these um, uh, fire codes and these fire regulations—they they need to be enforced. Um, I, will, I will say that it's hard. Um, with smoke detectors, for instance, you go in and it's working, and then you're not going to go in another front of the year, uh, as I understand it. Is it once a year they go in? I think so. Yeah. So then a month later the battery runs out and nobody bothers to replace it. So is that a loophole in the law, or does they need to be? a I mean. There obviously is a limit as to what the city can do in terms of enforcing these things. But what are the fines? What are the fines when they do find a violation? Are they are they strong enough? I mean I mean we had two people lose their lives in this fire. Um, you know, the sprinkler system was that they, they, they you know, they said that they were in the process of of of, of, of putting it in, but, but were they? I mean they, they, they took up they um, got the building permit last year and this year they had announced plans to do some constru- construction but but it, it had been over 5 years since they were first uh, you know required to do that
0: so well i think the mayor said that they they started doing it 5 years ago and then 2 years after that they started to enforce it so they gave them they gave them that little bit of a grace if i remember correctly they gave them that little bit of a grace period to get things. or maybe it was 3 years but they gave them that little bit of a grace period to try to get everything going for it but that you know, at this point, it should be done, but and that period is over now. Right, and so this this was in February. I guess they had they had applied for the permitting to actually start installing yeah. it. So it would have been there. But now the the other thing too is this is the second fire, the second fatal fire where there's been a blocked exit way. In this case, it was the blocking of that fire escape, and the uh, in the case of the other fire that killed two people in 2021, that was they had a blocked staircase. Uh, in in the complaint letter that was sent in about the Royal Crown House, it mentions that there was, you know, uh, doorways that were, doors that were boarded up, nailed shut. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get why these things aren't catching, yeah. you know, more flack. Why, why, why people aren't reporting these violations into the fire department before a fire happens.
2: Yeah. And the, uh, there was some, you know, uh, feeling that, that the, the fire chief originally said that there were no violations and then. And then later, under being pressed by Will, reluctantly uh, acknowledged that, they, that, that the sprinkler system was not, was, was required to be in and was not yet in. Um, the fire that happened uh, last year was just two houses down. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I I would like to correct. I think the last time I was on, I I said that was a rooming house too. It was not. It was evidently two separate buildings, one of which has been demolished now. And they were one and two bedroom apartments um, and some studios, I think. But they were uh, full apartments. um, But they were also very densely developed. And so we have um, two four-story buildings, three four-story buildings, four lives lost in two years, uh, within a block of each other, on a cushioned avenue. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether the city needs to take a look at its regulations as to how to strengthen enforcement, how to make them a little more, um, you know, uh, the penalties a little more serious. Uh, I, I know they don't want to discourage development. Um, the one for, ch- for Choco con was is still all boarded up a year later. Buildings tend to sit year after year in new bedford sometimes uh, it it does seem like the city could be more efficient
0: in moving these things along look at the um look at the one that happened on saturday there was a kitchen fire on beetle street in a third floor apartment and i think this is kind of lost a little bit in the shuffle but it mentioned you know i wrote the story up about it seven people displaced in that including three children which means there were four adults and three children living in this apartment and i'm sure it was not you know a five-bedroom apartment yeah,
2: yeah, it, it's just one after another. It, 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 it's really discouraging, and and I think there's um, uh, a triple decker in the South End. Um, I know Ryan Pereira is aware of it, aware of it. That's been there for three or four years, just just, just sitting there, obviously unsafe, and whatever the legal tie up is, you know, property ownership rights are very strong in Massachusetts. It is costly and expensive for the city to to search titles and and track these people down. But I, I would just say if we're going to have fire codes and fire laws but they're unenforceable then at least the public should know that oh by the way you know those those laws that we have about sprinkler systems two-thirds of the buildings that they're covering
0: are not complying with them so i i, I think i think people should know that all right we're going to take our final break of the hour we'll be right back <clears throat> and our final moment here with Jack Spillane of new bedford light and of course once again you have the chat coming up thursday I do, I do. Josh Yamaw
2: is going to be there for the full hour, and he's going to talk about his uh, what is it, twenty-three points on in, in, in that housing. Um, I think is it twenty-two? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a very detailed housing proposal that is primarily aimed at um, encouraging development uh, using some of these grants and, and, and things that are available both at the state level and the federal level, and uh, getting some home ownership pr- plans that will allow homeowners to be um, local landlords and and.
0: So it's 7 o'clock Thursday at NewBedfordLight.org. Also make sure you tune in tonight to hear New Bedford Lights. We'll sign it on with with Chris and Marcus on South Coast tonight. Stay tuned for Bill O'Reilly, followed by Barry Richard. Until tomorrow, enjoy every sandwich. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.